Right, so we're coming in line month over month for August CPI. Uh, this is the headline number, a gain of 0.6%. Again, that is in line with the estimates. But the year-over-year -year headline number is coming in a little bit hotter than expected. Probably those energy prices, folks, 3.7%. The street was looking for 3.6%. But remember, last month, that was July, we had 3.2%. So we have now gone on headline CPI from 3.2% to 3.7%. Core coming in month over month, a little bit hotter than expected. We came in at 0.3%. Street was looking for 0.2%. We did come in line on the core year over year number. But remember, that strips out food and gasoline, which is what Americans are dealing with. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts. Ground Zero in New York, and I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could, the way from where you could stand. And he has done, I don't know if it's similar things, but he's sort of told some stories that don't line up quite like this before. Yeah, this president has a, a pattern at this point of either inventing or embellishing stories about his own past, his biography. He did it three times in one speech last month alone. Uh, he claimed he had witnessed a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh when he actually showed up about six hours later. He claimed that his grandfather had died just days before he was born himself at the same hospital. In fact, his grandpa died more than a year before in a different state, not, not the same hospital. Um, and. Uh, and he also repeated a favorite false story that I and others have debunked over and over again about a supposed conversation with an Amtrak train conductor he was friends with, who was actually deceased at the time the conversation would have had to take place. And that's not all. There are some more serious ones. Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 148 here on Wednesday, September 13th in the AEA studios. Together again, I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. Oh, and I'm uh, I'm the circus clown, Mike McKenna. <laughs> You're not a circus. I'm the circus clown. clown. I am. You're a pony soldier. A lying dog-faced pony All right. soldier. Um, hotter than expected. It just just seems to never be anything other than inflation is still a nagging issue, problem, <laughs> challenge in our economy. What I like best. I wonder why. What I like best is this. Is the is the um. Is all the headlines that make it seem like they're doing it just to annoy, just to annoy and slow down Joe Biden. Yeah. I'm just like, like nobody else is suffering, just just him. Right. Stubborn, stubborn. Inflation remains stubborn, stubborn, sticky, sticky, stubborn than expected. Like, so, but seriously, but seriously, the energy, yeah, sector, yeah. is driving a lot of this. Gas prices are up again. Well, the good We're news. We're in this. I mean, this. You know, we've got a AEA is going to re up the ways that the administration uh, has, you know, sought to stop production here. We're up to 175 specific actions. 175. The good news is, is that. We're down to 350 million barrels in the SPR, so they can only do that they like one more time. So many. More. It's like 100 right. million barrels. That's yeah. it. And then they're out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll get into the into would, the impeachment stuff, but I wanted to play Schumer. <laughs> Poor yeah. Chuck Schumer called the impeachment proceedings a witch hunt. Well, if he wouldn't know, it who takes would. a witch hunter to know a witch say. hunt, he, right? If he doesn't know who wow. would. 
Senator Schumer. It's as if we don't have any memory in this town of anything that anyone has ever done the prior day. That's probably all for the best. Yeah. Um, Biden went to nine to the nine eleven site the day after uh, to witness what he saw were the gates of hell. Biden was also on the Senate floor. Yeah. The same day. So again, he is a a shapeshifter, a time traveler. Uh, The segment, the, the, the segment where, where CNN is acting like this proclivity to embellish is some recent, recently discovered phenomenon (laughs) just blows me away. It's not enough, right? The guy was a senator for what, 38 years and vice president for eight years. I mean, he's lived a fairly accomplished life. It's just not enough for the guy. He's just, he's got to be in fabulous. He's in everything. He's everywhere. uh, You know, I mean, say what you want about Trump. You know, when when he tells stories, it's usually about something else. It's not about his own achievements or his own experiences. And and actually, Trump was at the site the day after, and he deployed a lot of his workers to help out. So was Rudy Giuliani. So. How'd that turn out for him? All right. Announcements. uh, Breaking news. Yeah. Mittens. Willard. Willard is calling it quits. He's had enough. He's ready to pass the torch to the younger generation of Utahns or Massachusetts yeah. people or Michiganers or wherever, he, wherever it is. Wherever he's he's going to reclaim him. his home the day that he's, uh, uh, you know, cycling out here. So. I'm super worried about this thing right away. We, we're worried about Curtis? Yeah, absolutely. You think he's going to make a run for it? Absolutely. Well, we have to put a stop to that. Absolutely. A, Demo- a Democrat can't be a Republican. Well, as this press guy pointed out, the mayor of Provo is, in fact, a nonpartisan. That's right. That's um, right. But I would point out, as I pointed out to the communications guy, that, yeah, that's true, but Mr. Curtis was, in fact, the Democratic committee man for one of the local counties. Um around Provo before he ran. So the idea that he's a Republican and always has been is fictive, ladies and gentlemen, fictive. Say what you want about Mitt Romney. He's at least done what he could for the party as best he could. And he was pro-coal for about five minutes there when he was running for president. You can't help it if a guy doesn't actually do anything. It's not his fault. You know, currently, with the current makeup of the Utah delegation, uh, it says in the Constitution, there shall be two senators from each state Except for Utah, which shall have one, and Massachusetts, which shall shall have three. You know, the terrifying thing is Orrin Hatch um, was one of the better senators in my lifetime. How that how that that played, and Jake Garn, right? For that matter, Jake Garn before him was a great senator. <sighs> Boy, how they wound up with Mitt Romney, I have no earthly it's idea. It's another example of a state that's underserved by its delegation. Underserved. Thank you. That's a good word. We're so, not going to identify other states that are underserved by their <clears throat> delegations. Yeah, Alaska. <clears throat> I was thinking about Ohio, too. Okay. Well, speaking of Alaska, this is a rather more serious and somber note. I'd like to give my condolences to the Peltola family. Yeah. Uh, Congresswoman Mary Peltola, the newest member of the Alaska delegation, Lost her husband, Eugene, in a plane crash very recently, and she's heading back to be with her family. So, uh, Well, she didn't lose him. He died. Yeah, he's dead. They, they, he they, died. They know where he is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of this in Alaska. Yeah, seriously. Most people get their 
pilot license before their driver's <laughs> license there. But don't get in a plane in Alaska. It's a I don't rough know. place. I guess you got it, but it seems seems you crazy. Don't really have a choice. And then safe travels to our good friend Hillary, who is working her way back to the swamp from Portugal. We'll see it. We'll see when you get back. Yeah, why are you coming back? All right. I don't understand that at all. Stay in Portugal, man. I have a this day in history, and like a few weeks back, it's not really that big of a big. There's not really much going on today in history, but I will. I did pull some things up. I pulled a couple of things out of here on this day in history, September thirteenth, right? Yes. Okay. In, in 1971, this happened. It was an earthquake in California. No. But I have a video. I have a video hint for you if you'd like it. Yeah, go ahead. All right, you ready? Sure. Attica! Attica! Oh, the riots at Attica. Attica! Attica! So, you know what that's from, though. Yeah, that's from the the um, Al Pacino thing, right? Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon, yeah. yeah. Um, but the... the um... In 1971, on this day, the four-day revolt at the maximum security Attica Correctional Facility near Buffalo, yeah. New York, ends when hundreds of state police officers stormed the complex in a hail of gunfire. of gunfire. That's right. Nelson Rockefeller ordered that as the only thing he did legitimately as a governor of New York that was worth anything. It turns out they were like eight or nine dead. Um a couple of cops include, but basically everybody died from state police gunfire. So they just went in, like shot everything that moved. I kind of, it, it, it total of, uh, the, the number, the number of people who died were, uh, 39. Wow. 39. How many? Uh, including 29 prisoners, 10 prison guards and employees held hostage. Worst riot in worst prison riot in U S history. And of course, uh, in addition to going in and mowing everyone down, there were reprisals afterwards, which were considered pretty brutal and pretty lethal. And uh, it wouldn't be America if the prisoners weren't awarded $8 million in a settlement for the way that they were treated after the the, the, yeah. the riot. At, Seriously, at Nelson Rockefeller probably so. needed to have them storm the judiciary. I would point out real quick <laughs> – that's something everybody can't be on. I would point out real quick that I, I – um, I taught each of my children in turn, and now I'm teaching my grandchildren that when they are unhappy with something, to take a cup and bang it against whatever the nearest thing is and start hollering, Attica, Attica. Attica. <laughs> I'm sure they have no idea why I did it, but it's it's a funny thing inside the house. Okay. Uh, again, uh, nothing much happened in, I should, I in 1993. I suppose I shouldn't say that with like social services listening, should I? In 1993, September sir. 13th, 1993. Uh, on the south lawn of the White House on this very day. Bill Clinton signed. Bill Clinton presided over a, a what was officially labeled the Declaration of Principles on Interim Self-Government Arrangements between Israel and Palestine. Yeah, I was going to get that. What are those? Those, those are those presiding are... over the ceremony. In addition, there were three thousand onlookers, including former presidents George Bush and Jimmy Carter, which of course amounted to a little other than a photo op for President Clinton and the other proud participants, because nothing meaningfully peaceful has happened in well, that region. Well, that's say what you want. The Trump guys, the Abraham Accords, are actually relevant, important, and gonna are the way out of this mess. Yeah, I, I think you know, that's right. Having, if, having... if they're not undermined. 
yeah, having a commercial solution that you know is is necessary to have a political so is 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 a priori necessary to have a political solution. It was it's really the insight that that Mike Pompeo had that was that was the right answer. Yeah, good good work, Mr. Secretary. Um, two thousand and four. Again, nothing happened on this day, so I'll give you another video. No earthly idea. You ready? Turn it down. Uh, Oprah Winfrey giving people cars. Yeah. A favorite meme, gif, jif, whatever you call it these days, whenever the government is giving away stuff. On this day in 2004, talk show host Oprah Winfrey gives brand new Pontiac G6 sedan worth $28,500 to everyone in her studio audience, a total of 276 cars in total. But there was a scandal. Yeah. None of them worked. GM, in fact, paid for those cars. <laughs> Oprah did not pay for those cars. Smart. It's good marketing. They paid the state taxes. However, it saddled all of the recipients with the federal income and state income tax for it, which left them a bit of a, a hefty bill to have to pay. Yeah, but they got a free car. Um, that, so those, that was when America still cared about this stuff. When General Motors knew how to market stuff, was interested in selling automobiles that people wanted. So. Good for General Motors. I wish they had that General Motors back. That's it. That's, That's enough. This day in history, can Attica, you believe it? Attica General Motors been a good day in history. Yeah. All right. So the Veep went to Vietnam while the president did the solemn duty of visiting. The 9-11 memorial. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait. Strike that. Reverse it. I was going to say. They sent Biden to do what normally VPs do. Guess he liked his old role. And what are they, grooming Kamala here or what? Or is it just just a coincidence? that They're going to replace her. So I'm concluded that's what's going to happen here. They're going to replace her on the ticket. I don't know who with, but they're going to have to. So right here, right now. Right here, right now. Joe Biden will not be the Democratic nominee for the next presidential I'm already election. on record as saying one of these guys is not going to be on the final ballot. I'm not sure which one. God will intervene on that, I'm sure. All right. I don't know which one. But I'm, I'm equally sure that Vice President Harris is not going to be on any ticket. She's not going to be on any ticket. She's good. They're going to have to find a replacement for her. Because the odds are, yeah, the actuarial odds are 50-50 that... President Biden doesn't survive his second term, which means that vice presidency spot is just too important to have Vice President Harris. I don't Harris. think how, how how do they get themselves out of this situation? They 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 They're, they said they this will. is a historic yeah, yeah it is presidency a with all the different placements of the different. My very strong so suspicion so is forth, my so. very strong suspicion is they will they will find a Hispanic woman. You know the, the governor of New Mexico. Well, we'll talk about her in a little uh, bit. Find somebody, right? They got, I got her on the list because because the one thing everybody there's two things about which almost every voter actually agrees in this in this cycle. One is I don't want either of these guys. Right? That that that's a that's a pretty overwhelming sentiment. Like three and four voters. Are you talking about Ken? Trump, Biden, Biden, and Trump. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, and the number two thing is, and I haven't seen any survey data on this, but I'm I'm almost certain that a larger percentage, like 80, 85 percent, 
Like, I do not want Vice President Harris to be president under any set of circumstances. So they're going to need to move her off the ticket. I just feel this coming. Okay, well, the first stage is to move him off the ticket. And the mm. mainstream media or the legacy media got the memo. Dave Ignatius. There are two, in fact, instances where they've got the memo. The gray lady. Yeah. Why is Joe Biden so unpopular by, uh, I'm not going to uh, even bother to pronounce his last name, but Ross Dothat? Yeah, Dothat. So, oh, Ross. He's is, a House conservative over at the New York Times. Is uh, starting to, uh, you know, lay out some some reasons why he's not quite as popular as he could be. But the one that's probably a gut punch to the White House is this David Ignatius piece. Yeah, I think so. Post. I think so. Because the president likes Dave, so. Opinion. Oh, Opinion: President Biden should not run again in 2024. Uh, Biden launches candidacy with the words, "We are in the battle for the soul of this nation." He was right, and although it wasn't obvious at first to many Democrats, he was the best person to wage that fight. He was genial, genial, but a shrewd campaigner for the restoration of what legislators call regular order, which, of course, that didn't happen. Uh, but basically, he's saying, "You did your job." It's time to it's time to move on. Yeah. Um, funny thing is, of course, Ignatius is himself seventy three years old, right? So he's been at it for a long time. It it. Um, I I think this replacing Vice President Harris is going to be the nod to the fact that he's too old. They're going to have to pick somebody younger and more vibrant. But I don't know who. I'm not really sure who yet. And I don't think they're sure who yet because the thing about it is, everyone's like, "Hey, you got to go," but nobody has a good answer as to replacement, right? Can't be Vice President Harris. Just can't be. Time is running out in a month or so. This decision will be cast in stone. It will be too late for other Democrats, including Harris, to test themselves in primaries and see whether they have the stuff of presidential leadership. Right now, there's no all clear alternative to Biden, to your point. No screamingly obvious replacement waiting in the wings. That might be the decider for Biden that there's seemingly nobody else, but maybe he will trust in democracy to discover the new leadership. Yeah. It, it, it I don't think it's going to be democracy. I, this thing might happen in convention. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't see, I don't know how, I don't see how uh, else can happen. The, the, uh, the, 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 if we started right now, if somebody started a campaign right this minute, there is an alternative. There's someone else running for president and they're boxing him out. So who JFK jr. Oh yeah. RFK jr. RFK jr. Yeah, I, whatever. If somebody started right now, a legitimate candidate started right now, they'd have to get on the ballots like instantly because these, these clocks are ticking. By November 1st, you're already off three or four states. By December 1st, you're off another half dozen. I mean, we're talking now like you'd have eight weeks to get your ballots done. You get your petitions done. That's a really tight time frame like from a running from a standing start. So we're looking at the convention, I think. Uh, interestingly enough, I'm not quite there yet. Um, I think this is gonna, this is gonna be rather unremarkable. I feel like it's gonna be a redux. I feel like we're heading for a rematch. No, I'm, 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 I'm convinced now that God will not allow that to happen. Um, that He is going to, as He always does, rescue the Americans from our own stupidity and intervene. And one of these guys is gonna have a stroke, a heart attack, or you know what? At their age, forget everything else. They stumble down a flight of two or three stairs and like bust their hip yeah. and they'd be done. So that's how I see it happening. 
I, I'm not looking forward to it either, by the way, but that's how I see it happening. Okay. Well, to be continued. So the, the be... house is back, and um, as from the time we I put this <laughs> this together to to now, uh, this is completely obsolete, this script. I had a clip I was going to play to set this up, but I won't. The... The bottom line is, is that what was supposed to happen was that McCarthy was going to try to maneuver defense bill onto the floor of defense, the House. Yeah, the defense appropriations bill. Defense yeah. appropriations and uh, also attempt to appease his his Freedom Caucus by announcing and did announce, of course, as Schumer lamented earlier in the program, that uh, impeachment proceedings will indeed proceed in the House of Representatives. And the Democrats are are very upset, and the mainstream media is very upset because he's not going to call for a vote, which, of course, is the precedent that Speaker Pelosi set. Now, in fairness, he did say last week that that's that's the way that he would do it. Uh, What a difference a week makes, because he's not going to do it because he knows he probably won't get the votes based on the the folks that are not in town and also the Ken Bucks of the world who said that they wouldn't vote for that uh, at the moment. So what we have is a, the whip's office called um, all legislative activity suspended subject to the call of the chair. There is talk now about trying to pair a few bills, including uh, the disaster portion of the emergency stuff, which is of course not what, you know, what the promise was, was to move these bills individually. And then ag has been pulled as well. So it is a, it's a mess. It's a big old mess. It's a mess. Right now. What do we, you want to talk about impeachment first? You want sure. To talk let's about, get it. Let's yeah. However you want to yeah, do it. All right. You know, um, I got a bunch of thoughts about impeachment, but let me just give you the top line. Um, this is a mistake, right? This is a mistake that was handled badly. Um, it's a mistake to go ahead and it's it's a mistake to announce that that basically you, you you're putting an impeachment process in place because um, as as Jim Jordan's crew argued last go around on impeachment they're like once you raise your hand on this you are heading inevitably towards it right nobody ever detours off well, it. there was another uh, way to describe it is if you're a skydiver and you jump yeah. out of the plane yeah that's yeah <laughs> yeah you only have you only have you one, got one way one direction you only have one, you exactly you have one direction only question is what's your landing look like so anyway it's a mistake for two reasons first off the president hasn't done anything impeachable I know that's going to be unpopular with some people, but it's the truth. You know, I have yet to I've yet to have anybody ex- explain to me the impeachable offense for which we have evidence or for which we even have a, a whiff of evidence. The other, so the other thing, two other things bother me about it. First off, this so overs- that bothers you as a as a citizen and as a uh, uh, yeah a, a I do know, not a lover want- of the institution, correct? Because you could make the same argument about. The Trump. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. There was enough. There was enough. There was enough. There was enough. There was on which one? On the first. On the first one, there was enough. There was enough evidence that warranted examination. I think it was very weak. Obviously, the Senate thought it was very weak too. Right? We had no trouble batting it down in the Senate. So, 
the the thing is, it's impeachment. It's not supposed to be nuisance, right? This thing is a nuisance, and I do not want to see it become normalized. And forget the institution for a second. I'm a big fan of the Constitution. I don't think the framers intended it to be yeah. a nuisance, a, a routine, normalized thing. So anyway, so that other thing that bothers me about it, two other things bother me about it. One is we're making progress on oversight. We're making progress, yeah. and and you know that thing. And then this turns it into a political. Exactly, thing. you know, like all like all investigations, they go at the speed they go at, and and I think I think the House Oversight guys were making progress on 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 the linkage between Hunter Biden and the Biden family, and that includes the president. And the thing is, I think if you had waited six months. There'd be some clear linkages, and then you could then you could proceed accordingly, right? Um, this kills all that, right? That's that's. Dead what dead. about the argument that this gives them the subpoena power that they don't currently have? Nobody's paying any attention. You know, they're they here. The White House, the White House, and the and the executive branch is going to do exactly what we did in the in the impeachment. They're going to say you guys are not actually in a formal impeachment process, so we're not paying attention to your subpoenas. Right. Go to hell. Right. Um, it's bad, and then and then the other reason it's bad. The other reason it's bad is because, and I may be wrong about this, and I sure hope I'm wrong about it, but I think I'm right. This is what Team McCarthy thinks of the conservatives, that they want the red meat of impeachment. Actually, let me do play that clip because the piece I wanted most people to hear was Chip Roy, in the clip. So I'll play it. Yeah. House versus Senate, Democrats versus Republicans, even Republicans against Republicans. Congress is back from summer recess and working to untangle a government budgeting mess less than three weeks before federal funding runs out. If we can't check that executive branch, then why the hell are we even here? Republican Congressman Chip Roy and the House's more conservative members want immediate government spending cuts, even as Democrats and Republicans in the Senate have largely rejected those demands and will begin passing appropriations bills this week closer to the higher spending levels from May's debt ceiling agreement. If Senate Republicans want to roll over and allow this administration to continue to do what they're doing, that those Senate Republicans should have to answer to their constituents. Republicans with a slim House majority are trying to figure out a way to pass bills that fund the government at lower spending levels and include stricter border security measures, as Democrats stand by to pin any shutdown on the GOP. Bumbling into a shutdown right now would not only be entirely unnecessary, it would cause immense harm to the American people. Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene says she wants an impeachment inquiry into President Biden before she'll vote for a government funding bill. Other conservatives are demanding an inquiry now as well. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is trying to navigate all these priorities with his party in control of only one House of Congress. And concerns members will try to push him from his job if he fails to win concessions from Democrats in the Senate and White House. So Chip Roy made the case that if the Republicans in the Senate want to be on record as endorsing the path that we're in that let them let them do that but we don't have to do that we can do it differently and that's what he's asking for so he's not asking for a quid pro quo that he would cave on spending and he's got a lot of members that yeah. are in the same boat there are two or three that won't vote for any spending until the proceeding took place and that's i think part of what McCarthy was responding. I think that's ridiculous, right? I, I think I think most most Republicans and and especially true of guys on the right, they care much more about 
actual governmental functions than chasing down rabbits. And that's what essentially this is, is a rabbit chasing exercise. Um, you know, Willard Romney said something when he was running for president, and I thought that shows how tone deaf you are. He described himself as severely conservative. <laughs> Remember that when he used that word, severely? Was that when he was wearing his jeans that were clearly pressed probably, at the dry cleaning? Probably. Severely conservative. Literally nobody identifies themselves yeah. as severely, severely conservative. It, it, Joe, ba Joe Barton. Joe Barton used to wow. Be, yeah, he just brought up a, a dream from the past, baby. Joe, Joe Bart Barton. Joe Barton used to say about climate change that it was a little like being a Baptist in Texas. Like when environmentalists asked you about climate change, a little bit like being a Baptist in Texas. You know, hey, are you saved? He, he's like, you, you can't can't really answer no, and you don't yeah. really want to answer yes, yeah. but you're stuck. Severely conservative is like that. You're like. But that's not – and this impeachment thing is like that. It's like you guys are not tuned in to what that HFC really cares about. You know? So I want to bring up this article in my research. Uh, I found it interesting. It was the best example I could find of a news uh, agency giving the exact verbatim um, – <laughs> Talking points of the White House yeah. without without yeah. actually doing it. Yeah. Did you see this? No, no, no. White House to send letter to news execs urging outlets to ramp up scrutiny of GOP's Biden impeachment inquiry based on lies. Wow. That was the headline. Nice. And then it goes into the White House plans to send a letter to top U.S. news executives. Bop, 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 bop. It's time for the media to ramp up its scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry based on lies. Ian Sams, a spokesman for the White House Counsel's Office, wrote in the letter, according to a draft obtained by CNN, to which they then <laughs> quoted 95% of the memo. Money. And then the, the actual reporting part was as follows. The correspondence comes one day after McCarthy announced that he had directed three House committees to, to begin an, an inquiry into, the, uh, into Biden. House Republicans, most of whom have denied that disgraced former President Donald Trump committed any wrongdoing, have long sought to baselessly portray Biden as a corrupt, crime-ridden politician engaged in sinister activities. While news organizations have published innumerable fact checks on the matter, they have also often failed to robustly call out the myths and disinformation peddled by Republicans in their coverage, frustrating officials in the Biden White House who believe that the news media should be doing more to dispel lies that saturate public discourse. That wasn't in the memo. God, I'm sure it was in the memo. They just no. didn't, they didn't quote it. They just no. they didn't put quotes on it. But it was in the memo. It, wow, the, that, that's impressive. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll and then they proceeded to uh, put three more quotes from the memo in the in the news article. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, Oliver Darcy, right? Assuming they, they they gave it to him to write that quote story. Oliver Darcy. <laughs> right? Ladies and gentlemen, it's almost well like done, I, sir. It's almost like I do this for a living. Um, it, it, you know, that <sighs> that was an article from CNN. He, no, it wasn't. It was. It was stenography by CNN. It, 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 this is why it's impossible for either side to disqualify the other because they're they're both just ridiculous with this stuff, and the media is like so clearly on one side of it. You're just like, okay. Whatever. Exactly. All right. So this was or may still be, but might not be an important week in in our fight to save our cars. Yes. What happened? 
Well, let me tell you that the Institute for Energy Research and this American Energy Alliance joined 32 other organizations to launch the Save Our Cars Coalition, which is a coalition dedicated to preserving the American consumer's ability to choose the vehicles that, or cars or trucks that best suit them, not the cars or trucks that the government tells them they must buy. What a crazy idea. 33 of us, nationwide coalition, lots of state-based groups. We're ready. We're ready to fight this. It's official. We have launched, and the timing was impeccable because, unless the appropriations process derailed it, <laughs> there's an extremely important piece of legislation on the floor this week, tomorrow, hopefully, Yeah, by Congressman John Joyce from Pennsylvania Yep, that would ban Californians... California's ability to ban the conventional gas-powered vehicle. Let me expand that. It would preclude any state's ability to impose a nationwide ban or the equivalent that of a nationwide correct. ban. It is the ban the ban bill. It's not, it's not targeted at California. It's targeted so, It's targeted at, at um, the decisions. So we, are, of course, are uh, scoring that legislation and encouraging that, the, that, that still move forward, but uh, it may have be, become a victim this week to circumstances. I certainly hope not because because um, the initial vote count is is that almost every Republican is going to vote for it. We might lose like one or two top end. Yeah, and there are people who aren't here either. There so, are three people who aren't here. Yeah, so we'll Three people who aren't here. One, out, one pregnancy, one, um, one uh, wife's pregnant, and then uh, Fra uh, Frank Congress Lucas. Congresswoman from... Alaska is not going to be here, obviously. Too, yeah, so. she, 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 yeah, the other side has some some absences too, and then, but then the Frank Lucas thing too. He's out for that. Yeah, how did that? Ha what happened with with Congressman Lucas? Uh, apparently, a bull got on his property and uh, mistreated him, and he had some surgery and busted up his hip and had some surgery, and we hope everything's okay. Man, certainly sounds lousy, right? So he didn't take the bull by the horns, or <laughs> something. <laughs> I, I, that isn't a bizarre story. Yeah, man, I, I could a I, stray bull and what? What did he do? Like I don't shoo know. it? I don't know. I have no earthly yeah, idea. We'll All I know is, but in seriousness, we do hope that he recovers. Yeah, he's. Okay. I mean, I hope he's okay. You know, he's, he's not a. He's, I heard he's pretty banged up. Well, he's not so. a young man, right? I mean, right. Yeah, he's, he's he's. Isn't that a pattern here in, in a lot of our stories about politicians in Washington these days? Yeah, true. I thought you. I thought you were talking about guys getting 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 knocked down and knocked over by bulls and stuff. <laughs> Like, okay, sure. I don't remember any, but okay. All right. So www.savecars.org. Check out the website. Uh, and if you're out there and you're listening in Washington world and you're in one of these organizations that has yet not seen the light to join the coalition, give me a shout. We'll add you as soon as possible. Yeah, get on it. We're the only, we're, Save Our Cars is the only coalition out there right now on this thing. Just, so you, just for, for those of you paying attention. That's the that's the that's the takeaway on this thing. We're we're at we're we're the we're the tip of the spear. Savecars.org. Okay, this is interesting. I don't know if you knew this, but this is a, another important development in the attempt to save our cars. The US Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia will be hearing oral arguments on Thursday in the Texas V E P A case. Yeah, which one is that? Is that, that the, that's the twenty twenty three twenty to twenty seven model year rule? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something I rarely do here. Um, 
friends of mine who run a um, tear sheet for the financial world predicted that it was only like 20% odds that the court was eventually going to rule for them and only 40% odds that the Supreme Court was going to rule for them. Let me just say that I really have respect for this particular group, but they couldn't be wronger. More wrong? Wronger. Wronger. Why not? Wronger. If if um, this thing's going to the Supreme Court and there is no way around this, but- Yeah, because- we don't know what the district court's going to do. I'm sure do. they're going to be. I'm they're sure probably going to rule with, in favor of EPA. Yeah, the, right? D, the yeah, DC they're, circuit. They're horrific. Yeah, the DC circuit is terrible, right? They should be. They should be abolished, abandoned, destroyed. But um, the chances that this isn't a major question. Oh wait, you mean this? This is the most important. You mean this is the most important trade, transportation, labor, economic, national security you policy. Mean completely upending our entire way of life is not a major question. Wait. <laughs> If this thing isn't a major question, there is no major question. The well, doctrine's pointless. Well, let me tell you, let me quote from uh, Donahue and Goldberg attorney Sean Donahue, who is uh, arguing uh, in support of the car standards in Texas VPA, insists the benefits of the rule for public health and the climate far outweigh the costs of compliance. Here's his quote. When you hear oil companies complain that EPA should be blocked from protecting the public from vehicle emissions, recognize that they're really protesting against the clear direction of the market. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Here's the problem. Uh, what's this guy's <laughs> name? Donahue? Yes, Sean Donahue. Here's the problem. The clear direction of the market. Here's the problem, Sean. Sean. Sean from Boston, no doubt. Here's the problem, Sean. Um, marketplace is totally unimportant in this. What you need is clear direction from Congress if you want to change the whole world. So you might want to go home and get that and then come back to us. And okay. by the way, good luck getting that. Okay. But in addition to that. Yeah. The clear direction of the market, 90, what, 94% of vehicles what, are still internal combustion engines. And what is the level of subsidization that is taking Shut place up, man. in this situation Shut from up. the federal government? Sean Donahue is going to come what to your house and shoot at your What about the fact that in 2008 or nine, the, the, the government bailed out? The major automakers. Ladies and gentlemen. There's no clear direction of the market. Sure there is. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your once a month reminder that we shouldn't have let Irishmen in this country. <laughs> Just so you know. You brought up Governor Lujan. Yes. As a potential successor. Sp speaking of banning things. So let me play a little clip here to set this bad boy up. He took an oath to the Constitution. His oath is unconstitutional to say, and can I exercise you your carrying license? With one exception, and that is, if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs, and they are not, in my view. You're talking about fines. There are a laws against the fines, so how are they right? I got it. But, but again, 
if I'm unsafe, who's standing up to that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Madam Governor, yep. do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no. But here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message. You took a little... <laughs> wow. That, 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 um... So just the, the setup here is she, she just basically unilaterally declared that she carved out basically Albuquerque and the, and the environment. Yeah, she declared, she declared a public 30 health. 30 days, public health emergency. Public health emergency. If you, if there's a population of X, Y, and Z and the murder rate is A, B, and C, then you are prohibited from carrying your, your weapon uh, concealed or otherwise yeah. in, in the state of New Mexico. Yeah. So the sheriff said, yeah, thanks, but I'm not playing. I'm not enforcing that. The AG just came out and said, I am not defending this case on behalf of the state. It's impossible to defend, right? You, you, which do you want? You want the, you want the, you want the contextual or you want the, you want the, the specific? Get, start with what you want. You start with the specific. It's obviously unconstitutional, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, and it's terrible and it's crazy and you're basically – the interesting part about that was, hey, do you think criminals are going to follow this? No. <laughs> no. The fact that she just said no without even like, hey, no. no. I should have cut it off right there. So, th so this is the punishment. This is a punishment for law-abiding citizens. She makes clear that's the specific, right? It's, it's bad policy. Contextually, and I, I will admit that I have been a skeptic about this, but this is making me rethink it, right? Contextually – this is exactly what people worried about with the public health emergencies. Of course, that, that and we, this is where I was going to yeah, go with this. It, 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 and, and further contextually, if you don't mind, it is the careening of the uh, of the left to go as far left as they can to out. I I don't rank know. each other. Newsom wants a constitutional amendment. Fine, whatever. That's his jag. She literally said, "Yeah, whatever." Constitution be damned, right? I, I, right. That's the thing that bothers me the most is it, it's, um, a bit. It's the fey indifference to a constitutional right. And, and the other thing is, if from I was, a governor, if I was in the New Mexico legislature, I'd be super pissed because they obviously must have passed a carry law or concealed carry, whatever kind of carry law they have. She just contextually, we're back to the public health emergency. It, it's exactly what happened during COVID, that the will of the legislature doesn't matter. These people are authoritarians, and it doesn't seem to matter whether they speak with a baritone or with a soprano voice. They are authoritarians. Yeah. yeah. Having lived in Montgomery County during that, I can tell you. It, it, it's it's tremendously concerning, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm, then these folks get reelected. That's the scary I'm part. Not, I'm not telling you how to live your life, but... You might want to think about um, no constitutional right. You might want to think about availing yourself of your Second Amendment rights while you still can. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm working on that. It's a tough sell in my house, but do you know what? Don't 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 argue. Just do it. Yeah, it's always a it's always easier to Apologize just say. Later. Well, listen. Yeah. I wanted to flag what I think was the dumbest article I read this week. The winner is the hill. Go ahead. Trump, Biden both tumble in Iowa poll. Former President Trump mm -hmm. and President Biden both saw their support tumble in the early primary state of Iowa, according to a new poll. 
Emerson College caucus voters showed support for Trump currently sits at 49%, a drop from 62% in May. Meanwhile, a poll of Iowa Democratic caucus voters voted that Biden's support now sits at 50%, a drop from 69 in May. Now, yes, another person lumped three polls together uh, <laughs> from Iowa, and the Trump support was somewhere in the mid-50s to to you know, high 50 range. Yeah. Here's why I think this article is really dumb. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Mike Pence numbers dropped from May. DeSantis dropped from 20 to 14. Pence decreased from five to three. Meanwhile, our buddy Vivek. Ramesh Whammy. Tim Scott appeared to be gaining both rising five and uh, uh Ramesh Whammy. Now you got me saying it. Ramesh Increased from two to seven and Scott from three to eight. Um, and and Haley and, and Burgum jumped up one or two. So <laughs> what? Trump's so Trump's support dropped. Yeah. The Santa's support dropped. Yep. Everyone else picked up yeah, the pieces. The pieces. Yeah. Trump is still blowing everyone's doors off in Iowa. Yeah, that that yes. Okay, that's why this article is dumb. And then the the uh, the quote that I wanted to to point out is the director of Emerson College polling said, "While both Biden and Trump have lost some support in Iowa, it does not appear that any other candidate has been able to emerge as a clear alternative." You think? Yeah. It. Uh... Here's the thing. The headline is com- the headlines. The headlines useless. I will say this about Iowa, right? President still hasn't finished the deal. Um, no, he hasn't closed. Yeah, I, you know, I he, absolutely. He, he, we're heading. Iowa's always complicated, right? Because it's really who shows up on those on a Tuesday night in the middle of winter. You got to be highly motivated, which is why Santorum's won it. Why Cruz won it, right? Yeah. Here's the thing, and I know the Trump guys are thinking about this. Um, he winds up losing Iowa. That that's going to open up this campaign a little bit. I think they want to they want to finish this thing in Iowa. What's a win in Iowa? What's a loss in Iowa? Anything can where, a win still be a loss? Yes. Anything where somebody shows up a strong second, where he like picks up like thirty five, and some other guy picks up twenty eight or something. And he like squeaks. That. And he squeaks because at that point, Chris Sununu, you're going to go to New Hampshire. Chris Sununu is going to endorse whoever the number two guy is. Right? Doesn't really matter who. It's just going to be a non-Trumper thing. Get down right? to Super Tuesday. Then we start playing the game for real. The other alternative pathway on this is Trump wins in Iowa with fifty percent, and the next nearest guy's at twenty. And at that point, I think we're we're so, done. Yeah, we're done. I, and I, I don't, you know, you don't know how it's gonna go. Right? Iowa's impossible. It's impossible to do survey work on these caucuses because literally you're trying to guess who's gonna show up on a crummy Tuesday night in the middle of the winter. It's not, it's not, you know, easily um, um, sampled. It, it, which is why, if I was like running a press shop, I'd be like, we're not doing any surveys in Iowa. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're not, we're not reporting on them. We're not doing them. Because they're just they're unreliable. Well, at the at this point, though, uh, that that article is just dumb because he's still blowing everyone's doors off, and the fact that DeSantis is dropping shows that this the his campaign is the optics of his campaign is having is having an impact. Yeah, no on doubt. His support, no doubt, right? No doubt. You know? And I've watched a couple of moments where even even I'm a big fan, but I've I've cringed a little bit. Sure, man. It, you right? know, he, so he, 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 here's the problem, right? Um, 
he he went to Harvard Law School. Yeah. And that, you know, these guys, these guys who go to Harvard Law, Pompeo went to Harvard Law too, right? Sometimes they're incapable yeah, of just- Yeah, it's a little bit of a different case for Pompeo. No, it's the same. They're, sometimes these guys are incapable of giving one sentence, declarative sentence answers. They, you know, they're, well, let me explain this in three parts and give you all the shadings instead of just saying, yeah, no, I'm a hard no on that, right? Pompeo made payroll and he did some business stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, but know, they still- got a little bit you of a hear different it, line. Yeah, so. he does, but you still hear it and, yeah. you know, well, let me, let me, let me, you know, unlike Trump, who's like- yeah. Hey, here, bang, yeah. or Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a who's a Harvard guy too, but didn't go to law school. <laughs> he can just be like, "Yeah, we're going to fire two million people." Yeah, right. Without without Congress, right. I've yeah. got a plan. You know, and, good enough. I mean, you know, every anybody who went to law school would be like, "I'm pretty sure we can't, can't do, that. do that." Vivek's like, "I can do it. I don't care." Health emergency. What difference What difference does it make if you can or you can't? <laughs> yeah, because the people, the voters. He's feeding them the stuff right. they want to hear. They don't know, like, right. that's not actually going to work, buddy. And by the time they figure it out, he's sitting in the White House, which sounds a lot like Mr. Trump in the first go around. Go ahead. If you, All right. If you, so... notice Mr. if you notice, Mr. Trump is not making any promises about firing people this go around. Yeah, that's true. All right. Go ahead. So I got a little energy here. I got a little contrast, compare and contrast. The EIA. Yeah which is the U.S. statistical arm of you. the Department of Energy, just came out with a report. The United States exported more LNG than any other country in the first half of 2023. I saw that. UN LNG exports average 11.6 cubic feet per day during this period. More billion than cubic feet. Billion cubic feet. Yep. Uh, Australia's export of the world's second largest um, volume of LNG, averaging 10.6. So now we're starting to inch away from Australia a little bit yeah. and freedom molecules are spreading out all over the world, baby. Freedom molecules. Yeah. And you know, the remarkable thing about that is when I was a child, as recently as 20 years ago, we were only producing 30 bees a day. Yeah. And we were now producing closer to 100 bees a day, I think 95, 96, something like that. So, yeah, and, it, our, it, and it, our friend ran the center for, for LNG to promote Imports. Imports. Yeah. Because we we're like, hey, at 30 bees a day, we're going to need 60. And we, 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 we now have 90. We're using 75 and moving the rest offshore. It's remarkable. Just remarkable. All right. Well, but. Yes. Here's the other. Yes. Here's the IEA. Oh, boy. The International Energy Agencies. Yeah. What are the. Theta Byroll. Yes. Peak fossil demand will happen oh. this decade. What? Peak fossil demand I will thought... happen this decade. Thought... In his op-ed, a historic moment. This was his his ex, formerly known as Tweet. In my op-ed, a historic moment for the global energy sector. Just with today's policy settings alone, IEA projects that demand for oil, gas, and coal is set to peak this decade. Driven by the striking rise of clean tech like solar, EVs, and economic shifts in China. I I may be wrong, but I could have sworn the IEA predicted the peak back in 2015, didn't they? I don't know. I'm pretty sure they I'm did. Not sure. I got to look it up. Uh, but it still won't be steep enough to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees centigrade. Who said it would be? That's what Feta said right here. He well, said yeah, then they obviously need something. As I have... As I have said before, and I will say it again, if you believe that there's a problem, 
Um, the regime we're currently working on, the Kyoto Paris regime, is not solving any of it. So whatever else, whatever it is you think about climate change, you guys need a new regime. The golden age of gas, which we called in 2011, is nearing an end. <laughs> with demand in advanced economies set to fall away later this decade. Has he been talking to the Germans? Because I think they probably need some gas. What, what, what By the way, uh, further into the EIA article, the vast majority of that gas is going to Europe at the moment. Of course it is. We're, we're sa our freedom molecules are saving their asses in Europe. That's too bad. I'm not sure I'm in favor of that. Old Feta says, no way, though. No way. Okay, one more on energy. Did he get elected by somebody, by the way? Oh, last I checked, no. Okay. Did the net zero goal get voted in Congress? No. It didn't? No. Did nor... the EV mandate get voted in Congress? Well, we're going to try to vote on it here shortly, yeah. depending on defense approach. Yeah. yeah. All right. I call this the EV trip from hell. <laughs> Secretary Granholm. Secretary Jenny went out in her in her um, army of EVs out into the world to showcase the future. And she hit a little bit of a snag. <laughs> so her advanced team tried mightily to save her by doing a little advance work, what any good staffer would do, Mike. What did they do? They drove an ICE vehicle into one of the only working charging stations at a, uh, a station in Georgia. Yeah. How'd and that they, turn out for they him? upset somebody. A family who was waiting and who, was, who drove up well, and like let me, needed, let me tell you, yeah. it's so upset that they called the police. Good for them. I would too. County County nine one one. Hi, I'm calling because I'm in the Grovetown Walmart at the charging station, and there's literally a non-electric car that is taking up the space. He said they're holding the space for somebody else, and it's holding up a whole bunch of people who need to charge their cars. All right, you're at the Walmart on Center Way. Um, the one in Grovetown that that has the RVs in front. Okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am, I can hear you. Are they Hello? still there? They're still here, but one one spot opened up, which is like not them, but there's other people who are waiting to charge, and they're still here, and they're not an electric car. <laughs> Right. Oh, brother. Uh, my favorite part about it is, no, 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 the Gro the, 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 the Walmart at Grovetown or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that one. Not the, not the one on Sauter Road. No, the other is, one. This is real the real world, it's right? It's great. It's when, spectacular. When the real world runs into the fake world, this is what happens. 911. I love they called 911. Yeah. Like, what kind of emergency? Yeah. <laughs> she had a baby. And it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm putting an article in on uh, from Motor Trend and from Market Watch. I'm not going to get into the details. But I did learn a new word during my research. Yes. Apparently being iced yes. is when an EV driver is being blocked by an internal combustion engine from being able to charge their car. So I iced, iced I, baby. Okay. I'm just going to say okay. Not such a good week for Secretary Jenny. I, you know, it was a funny story. They they should have laughed. Funny thing is the the reporter I just had some coffee with. He was supposed to be on that trip, but he he skipped out on it because he thought, oh, he man, I had so much. Fun. Well, he's just like I didn't want to spend four days sitting there listening to speeches at you know Kiwanis clubs. He said, but if I'd known it was going to devolve into that, I would definitely would have been there. I'm like, sure, sure. Oh, my other favorite part was they they had asked the DOE for a statement. <laughs> well, 
What do you say? We don't, uh, you know, it, the problem is, is that the previous administration was so inept that, you know, we have to catch up and get these charging, this charging they stations. They didn't really say really. that, did they? That's a paraphrase. Oh, come they on. They essentially blamed the, you know, inaction by the previous administration on charging stations. It's so tedious. It's so tedious. All right. You want to talk a little football? Yeah, it's got to be better than talking about this stuff. So last week we made some bold predictions about uh, about which are not which are not yet wrong. Of course, it's only one week. But, one week. but what was our track record? Let's run it down. The, Who is the winner this week? The Lions. The producer. The producer. Producer, picked, you got you got the win. Producer picked the Lions. However, they celebrated a little bit too much after a week one victory. So you, you got to <laughs> got to figure they're going to lose like six in a row now. Any other year, the Lions would have lost that game. Any other year, which means it's your year, man. Oh, brother. Okay, so my Bills didn't fare very well. They lost in overtime. They lost in overtime. They did okay. They, they lost in overtime. The second half looked real bad. Yeah. And you know the Jets. Which, by the way, I will point out. I will point out that I correctly predicted that the Jets were not going to win anything because they're the Jets. They're the football football's version of the Mets. And sure enough, yep. go ahead, do your thing. Tell tell everybody the what Jets happened. Jets beat the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football, even after losing Aaron Rodgers in the first drive to a season-ending Achilles heel tear. Tear. Torres Achilles tear. Done. Ow, Finished. Boy. And the kid that won the game, the quarterback that when they looked like he was twelve, literally looked like he was. Yeah, 12, Zach Wilson, he was right? Have a hell of a hell Zach of a Wilson. scrapper. Yeah. And uh, the old Bills are not off to a very good start. Don't worry about it. CFC East. Now you're the Bengals, who you predicted. They lost too. Also lost. The Vikings, who I predicted. The Bengals looked bad. It wasn't. Lost. It wasn't just that the Bengals lost; it's that they looked bad. And I know you want your Giants to get into the playoffs, oh, boy. That was oh, ugly. That Forty was a, to nothing. Forty to nothing. America's team. Shut up with that America's team nonsense. <laughs> but your Eagles did prevail over the Patriots. I don't know. I wouldn't call that a, a big thing. I don't know anybody so. who likes the Cowboys. There's no one in this country who likes the Cowboys. So week one is done. Yeah. I predict the Giants are going to win this week. They got the Cardinals, so All right, we'll see. We'll you got to figure they're likely. Any more football from you, sir? I'm just I'm looking at the Yankees now at 73 and 72, which which means I got 17 games left. And if they can just win nine of them or even eight of them, they'll finish the season at 500. It's a major achievement. Your your uh, the the Dominguez era was very short lived. However, I feel bad for that kid. Going into Tommy John surgery. Yeah, man. it's a terrible thing. Absolutely. It's a terrible thing. Because he was making uh, Stanton look pretty bad. He was doing okay. Yeah. He was doing okay. So, yeah. Any more football? Nope. All right. Next week, we'll, next week we'll, we'll call college football. All right. I'll be ready. You sure? I don't know. You're going to say USC anyway. So, what difference does it right, make? We'll see. All right. So, I got one more here. I, this was from the, the producer, flagged this one for me. Yes. This is from Newsweek. Libertarians want control over Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell. The U.S. Libertarian Party has filed for conservatorships <laughs> <laughs> for President Joe Biden and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, referring to them as geriatric elites mentally unfit to properly serve the American populist. Okay, I... 
I don't want I don't want my laughter to be misconstrued. That's just that's just great politics. Okay, right there. well, she said the party has conferred with several attorneys, it's a fun including stuff. three who drafted the paperwork, who said that legally, an organization can have a conservatorship over an individual in Washington D.C. Is it going to be a fight in the courts? Obviously. But we're committed to filing this thing, and we really wanted to send a, a strong statement that we're serious about getting someone in the White, in the White House who has the mental capacity to run this country because we don't have that right now. All right, so my favorite part is the petition. All right, you ready? Sure. The petition shared with Newsweek conveyed purported concerns about the age, health, and general well-being of both Biden and McConnell. Yeah, fair. The subject exhibits, this is Biden, yeah. obvious mental signs of mental confusion and cognitive decline in public. He wanders around confused. True. Stumbles over his words. Over. And has incurred over $4.8 trillion in debt since taking office <laughs> in 2011. The subject has also involved us in an unwinnable war. Who? What war? What Biden. What war? Oh, Ukraine. Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, so the petition for McConnell is similar. I would assume. Uh, mental confusion and cognitive decline in public. He had a stroke during an interview mm. and advocates for sending taxpayer money overseas. Okay, that's true. I'm not sure that first part's true, but okay. The subject has also involved us in an unwinnable war, mm -hmm. and he cannot manage finances. True. <laughs> that's it. They're going for it. Now, yeah, I mean, they said they had considered filing for guardianship as well, but but refrained because conservatorship hits home from a fiscal responsibility position. Mm -hmm. Interesting way to what a great interesting way to approach things. What a right? great what a great political stunt. I wish I had thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> now I wonder why they didn't add Fetterman to that list and die for Yeah, just throw everybody in there. Right. So throw everybody uh, in but there. But they went after the two. I dogs, get it. So. I get it. All right, I'm done. I got to close. It's a little long, but it's worth playing. You ready? I'm ready. Let's have All it. All right. Where everyone was preoccupied with the notion of global warming. Not a joke. Did you ever think that? And there's a, my, my brother loves having... There's famous lines from movies that he always quotes, you know, and one, one of them is there's, there's a movie about John Wayne, he's an Indian scout, and they're trying to get the, I think it was Apache, one of the great tribes of America back on the reservation, and he's standing with the Union, so he's all on, they're in their, on their horses and their saddles, and there's three or four Indians in headdresses, and the Union soldiers, the Union soldiers basically saying, the Indians, come with me, we'll take care of you, we'll be, everything will be good. And the Indian scout, the Indian looks at John Wayne and points to the Union soldier and says, he's a lion dog-faced pony soldier. Well, there's a lot of lion dog-faced pony soldiers out there about, about global warming, but not anymore. All of a sudden, they all realize it, it's a problem. And there's nothing like seeing the light for, and uh, I see, I'm just following my orders here. Uh, staff, is there anybody haven't spoken to? Uh, no, I ain't calling on you. I'm calling on you. I said you had five questions. I need them. 
Whew. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States addressing the G20. The leader of the free world. God almighty. Dude. You. Get to the punchline, man. I dog-faced pony <laughs> soldiers. I, John Wayne, Apaches, headdresses, By the way, saddles. fact check. No one in any John Wayne movie ever said the phrase, lion dog face. Of course they didn't say it. They whispered it. Whispered it. They whispered it. There's no one, there's no one disputing, what? there's no one disputing climate change anymore. Guess what? Hey. The show's over. <laughs> Unregulated number 148 is in the box. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know what? Namaste. All libertarians. I hope you win your suit. Hey. <laughs>